0: Science story, huh? These NYU scientists—they felt, felt, I, felt I, right. but I was so and I just happy. Thought, well, I figured
1: it out. It
0: was like that, that golden moment because science was on my side.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Lieutenant Bill Harwood. It was recorded in March 2016 at Sea Dog in Bangor, Maine, as part of the Maine Science Festival. Apologies about the audio quality, but we thought this was an amazing story that you all would love to hear.
0: Hello, everybody. Glad to be here today. Um, I want to tell you a story, and it maybe doesn't quite fit into the outfit that I'm wearing here today because I am in uniform, um, but I want to tell you a story about how a person who hates chemistry, I hate chemistry, and how I became a chemist, um, because I was a chemist at one point in time. I haven't always been a police officer. Um, I don't know how many of you have taken chemistry in high school, but probably a lot of you here, Um, And I have to tell you, there's still concepts of chemistry I I just don't get today. I don't understand the purpose of them and and whatnot. I think I have a genetic uh, predisposition to to not be able to understand chemistry. I don't know why. Um, Molality, moles, and... Avogadro's numbers. anybody here really understand Avogadro's number? Has anybody ever heard of it? You do. There's one person who understands it. I, I love math, so I, I still remember the number, but I, I, 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd. I don't know what it means, but I, I it's still in there for some reason 30 years later. Um, but I, I, you know, whether it was chemistry in high school or then in college, I went to the University of Maine in Orono, just the next town over, and uh it it went right into organic chemistry did anybody here suffer through organic chemistry yes okay um another one um i didn't think it was quite that bad it's very interesting and i do love science don't get me wrong here i don't want to send the wrong message to the young ones here Um, i do love math and physics and all those different things but organic chemistry i don't understand what what is up with that you you take uh, you take this class, and it's kind of okay, it's interesting, and then you get your first test back, and uh, my first test back, came back, I got a 36, and I'm like, looking at everybody else, I'm like, did everybody else get like a 30, is this out of 50, or, what, what is it, no this is out of 100, and then thankfully the instructor does one of these things where they're like, alright, everybody stop panicking, uh, you know, this is a bell curve here, and your, your grade's gonna go up, and then there's one person who got a 92 somehow, I don't know how that happened, but... Ruins the bell curve for the rest of us, Um, but but oddly enough, I mean, you know, I'm I'm going to school for science because I love science, and and what I want to do, what I'm going to school for, is to work in a hospital laboratory. So that's that was my first uh, choice for a career. Um, In the last year of college, I went. uh, I had an internship at the Eastern Maine Medical Center here in Bangor, and as part of being a medical technologist, you work in their laboratory. And uh, you do all kinds of different scientific experiments on blood, you know, hematology and things like a blood banking, matching for operations and whatnot. Um, But you also rotate through the phlebotomy uh, process, so drawing blood. And one of the things that we had to do was draw blood gas. Now, a blood gas, you have to draw from arterial blood, not venous blood. Um, And you you draw it from, like, where your pulse is in your wrist. It's painful, Um, not not a pleasant experience. Um, They sent me up to do rounds around the hospital rooms, and uh, one of the rooms I went to was somebody who was in a coma, and he had been in a coma for quite some time, um, and I had to draw blood gas from this individual. So I go ahead. I I figure, you know, he's in a coma. I know it's painful, but um, I can get through this. Um, I'd start to draw the blood gas from him, and he screams, and he comes out of the coma. Uh, Yeah, yeah, clapping hands. It's great, but I, I... and it is. All the doctors and nurses come running. What did you do? And I'm like, I just drew a blood gas. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm thinking, maybe I'm not cut out for this field. Maybe it's just not for me. And, you know, this is going to sound horrible to all of you, but um, I figured out after a year in the hospital, I just didn't want to be around sick people. And that, that's probably not a good thing, right? But uh, I am compassionate. I do care about people. But it just wasn't for me to, to work in that field. And my daughter does, and God love her, and we need everybody who can do that sort of a profession wasn't for me. So um, I'm nearing the end of my uh, college career. My dad knows that uh, this is probably not where I'm, I'm not going in the direction I went to college for. Um, He's a barber in the town that I'm from. And um, he cuts all the hair of all the police officers in town. And uh, one of the individuals that he cuts the hair for is the local crime lab director. Um, And he says, hey, my son's going to get a science degree. Is there anything that you have at the lab that would work for him? Well, have them come in have a tour. So we do that. We have a tour of the lab, and they had just purchased with a grant some uh, new equipment, electrophoresis equi- equipment. Um, like when I, I, I am a little bit old, I'm going to date myself a little bit. When my f- first started in the lab, we were doing ABO blood typing, so that's before DNA and everything. And intermediate between the two was electrophoresis to look at different proteins in the blood. Um, and they had just purchased this equipment, but they hadn't actually had any training on how to run it. And so I had a little bit of training in college in electrophoresis. I said, "I can definitely get that up and going for you." So they give me a part-time six hour six dollar an hour job um, that turns into a full-time job. So I eventually get hired as a forensic chemist the person who cannot stand chemistry <laughs> makes makes perfect sense, right so um, I, I love this job immensely. It is fantastic. for some reason, I'm not exactly sure why. Um, They give me a police radio, and they say that I need to install this in my vehicle. And I've got my Ford F-150 pickup truck. So we put the police radio in my pickup truck, which only in Maine, I guess, right? Um, It's not like I'm going to be pulling cars over. And they give me a call number. So my call number, they say, is 1282. So if they ever call you on the radio, you answer them. It's okay, Not really sure what we're going to talk about, but all right. (laughs) So after I have this job for a short time, I get a call says, 1282, there's been a homicide in Fairfield. Your presence is needed in Fairfield. And I'm confused because civilians don't go to crime scenes. At least they didn't back then. Um, So I get my boss on the line. I'm like, they just called and said they need me at the homicide in Fairfield. Do you want me to go? And he's like, yeah, if they called you, you get your chemicals and go. So I get all my blood testing kits and different things that I uh, need there or think I'm going to need at the crime scene and I there's a detective in the building who drives me up to the crime scene and uh, when I get there the other detectives are on scene look at me and they're like what are you doing here (laughs) so I'm like oh I'm 1282 you called me to the scene they're like no we said 1272 not 1282 (laughs) so I'm a little bit embarrassed at this point I figure I'm going to turn around and go but they're like wait a minute Um, there's something here that looks like blood going down into the basement do you think you could test that for us sure so I'd start doing some testing on that, um, and in fact, it does, it's presumptively positive for blood. And then there's uh, some blood spatter, very, very tiny spatter on the wall, and they're like, does this look like gunshot, uh, high-velocity spatter to you? And I, they did send us to training for those sorts of things, and yes, it was high-velocity spatter. Um, so they kept on using me more and more, um, and a fascinating scene where two people had shot two other people, and... Um, they had tried to cut up the bodies with a chainsaw um, and stuff the parts into trash bags. And um, they took the the bodies out into the woods, and um, it was a pretty gruesome scene, uh, pretty fascinating to be there and, and exciting in a way as, as well. And there were things that I could tell them that they weren't really used to because they didn't have civilians at crime scenes before. And I said, for example, the trash bags that, that they tried to use to put the bodies in um, when you produce a trash bag, it's made through molten uh, pellets of uh, plastic that are extruded through this die that's round, and there's air blown up in the middle, and it comes out of a uh, out of this uh, piece of equipment as a column that goes up into the air, and the plastics form, and um, they have little resins that add up, and then they they get worn away, and they create this striation, kind of like the barrel of a a weapon, striations within the trash bag. And I said, we can match those bags back um, because there was no box at the crime scene um, and there was no roll of trash bags at the crime scene. I said, we find our suspects. We can probably match those bags back to the suspects. So we're driving back now, um, back to the lab in Augusta. We're done for the day. And the detective is driving me back and the radio goes. And the radio says suspects just spotted in augusta and we're about six miles from the suspects were just spotted the detective i'm with and yes i am old takes one of those little lights then the lighter plugs it in turns it on hits his siren and we're we're going 100 miles an hour down the interstate and he's not talking to me anymore he's focused on what he's doing and i'm looking down as i got my smock and my pocket protector with my pens and pencils and my tweezers and i'm like okay so what's what's going to happen here uh, wishing I had a vest and a gun and all those good things. When we got to Augusta, Augusta PD had already arrested the suspects, and in the rear window of their car was a roll of trash bags. Um, and sure enough, eventually um, the, we were able to do the comparisons, and it did match back up. Um, and it was just a fascinating scene to be part of, and to be able to use science to help with this investigation was fantastic. Um, It started me, um, again, I'm wearing a uniform here, uh, a passion to do something outside of science. Um, And and that wasn't the only incident. There was one other that I'll tell you, that um, at the lab we had a police radio so we could hear things that were going on. And not long after that incident, there was uh, another murder. And believe me, Maine is a safe place. It it is. Um, It just happened to be that there were two back-to-back. There was another murder in Gardner, which is about six miles from our lab. And um, all the detectives in the building, because it was mostly sworn back then, um, all got their cars and their guns, and off they went six miles away to this murder. That didn't come in as murder. It came in as a robbery in progress in which uh, a gentleman had been tied up in his basement. Um, He broke free and called 911. His wife had been kidnapped, and their two children were kidnapped as well. So the three of them were in the family van with the suspect, and he was going to go to the ATMs and try and take out money. Um, they searched for the rest of the day. They couldn't find them until the next morning. Um, and the image uh, is something that I'll never forget, and it's one of the reasons why I'm a police officer today. They found the, the woman later. Um, the two children stayed with her body. She was killed, and she was in the woods. And uh, the police officer that found her, state trooper that found her, uh, took those children out of the woods in his arms. And the uh, Kennebec Journal had a photo the next day of of him coming out of the woods with those kids, and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I, I might not be the one that could be there for the medical patient, um, but this is something that I want to do. And I've, I've been able to use science throughout my whole career um, because people knew I had this background. So it's developed in, in a way in which um, I've then been able to go back to the crime lab. So I am now the director, as you announced at the, at the beginning here. So I'm now the director of the crime lab, uh, absolutely loving my career and still loving being able to use science and lead the other staff members at our lab to, to use science to solve crime. And that's my story.
1: That was Lieutenant Bill Harwood. Bill is the director of the Maine State Police Crime Laboratory with over 26 years of experience in forensics and law enforcement. He's also served as a crisis and hostage negotiator, Staff Sergeant Cadre Supervisor at the Maine Criminal Justice Academy, State Police Emergency Response Team member for the Maine Emergency Management Agency, and serves as the administrator of the Maine State Police Evidence Response Team. The story collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skylar Bear, Shane Hanlon, and Liz Neely. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Sea Dog for hosting the show, to the Maine Science Festival for being amazing partners, and to real crime scene investigators for doing a very hard job. Thanks for listening.